Welcome everybody to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I am Doug. Here is Bug. Here is Tug. Presented to you in all of their glory. No, I've got clothes on. My glory is uh, underneath. So in some of their you? glory. <laughs> what? You know, if, if that's what he wants to call his glory, then so be it. My entire body is my glory, okay? That's, all right, it's uh, getting weirder. Well, yep. Uh, getting weirder. I didn't think this show could start off the rails as much as it has already. This is Have, this is have you been on this show for the past three years? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes. Yes, he has, actually. Uh, so we're going to start off looking at Spotify because that's what we do on a football show. Hold on, I do want to highlight something here. As, okay. as I'm number three, I think I have the right to talk. Sure. Uh, I, but, you have the right you know. to talk when it's your turn after everything else is done. <laughs> I'm so, first. Wait, so yeah, first goes, listen. you save the best for last. No, 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 no. no, 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 no I'm not pressing play. No, no, no. With the best My year no, really. Nice. I mean, All it's right. it's it's the start of my my sleeping playlist. So you know, not not yet, Tug. Hold on. Not Hold not yet. Words. We'll we'll let you speak here momentarily. It'll be your turn soon. And your no. So my number one song for those of you that don't know, accidentally in love is accidentally in love. My number one artist being Good Charlotte. I don't know how that happened, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, you we know how it happened for you because you. Love I mean, people. that's that's a fact. My number one artist was Sleep Token, and my number one song was a song by Sleep Token. Imagine that. They put out a new album. I listened to it on repeat for like the first It's year. It's pretty fantastic. It yeah. I got to make, sure, make sure to keep it keep it short because we don't want to get, get right. a ding. You, you guys ready to get wild? Yes. All right. Well, yes. hold on. Hold on. Before we go, I want to highlight that okay. what you can't read after contemporary is actually the word country, which is accurate for what I listen to. Nothing else on this list outside of Avenged Sevenfold is actually accurate. I have no, no idea who Ken Carson is. I have no idea who <laughs> Daryl is. I have no idea who Omarion is. Okay, the fact that you don't know who Omarion and Tyga are is amazing. I, I didn't say Tyga. I know Tyga. Okay. <laughs> so... I have now signed out on all of my devices on Spotify. Here's the best part. <laughs> this is not Ken Carson. <laughs> it's not. Ken, it's also not Daryl who wrote the song Lollipop, which is your number one. Yeah. But it's the song that came up when I Googled Lollipop because I didn't know what that was either. So. <laughs> all right. So, so I have now removed Facebook from my uh, Spotify login. I have uh, signed out of all of my devices on Spotify. And I have changed how I can log into it. Yeah, that is welcome I, to my life. I also want to point out, we went first, second, third based on minutes listened. I had yeah. close to 42,000. Doug, you had just over 39,000. And Tug almost hits 12,000. So you had the lowest amount, and you have no idea where people were just logging in and listening to all this shit that you have no idea what it is. Nope. Yeah. The only That's thing I can think is this is a poss possibility is... And it doesn't even match what I was using like when I was hitting the gym. I did have playlists that would play some of that, but there's no way that would beat out Kenny Chesney for me. That's what uh, I'm saying. 
even right. even Kelsey Ballerini should have been up there. Avenged Sevenfold, I did listen to a lot of this year. Hell, Nickelback should be up there, believe it or not. Screw hey, anybody yeah, I mean, who says Nickelback people, is a bad band. I disagree like with you wholeheartedly. Everyone is I mean, just ashamed to admit they like Nickelback, but everyone likes Nickelback. The Nickelback uh, re-come up tour is in full force. Yes. Yeah. Everyone accidentally, legitimately accidentally in love was the only one that was like a surprise to me on this list. Uh, but yeah, I I understand why it's on there. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and I also want to say I did come in second place, even though I listened to 3,301 different artists and 101 different genres this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, 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 my music palette is not that. Not you were that. real upset last year when I somehow beat you on genres listening yeah, to. Yeah, I still don't believe it. I do not believe you beat me in genres. I, well, apparently I had somebody else going on. Yeah, his Spotify is not trustworthy. That's what I've determined. I Your DJX would take us on more of a wild ride than anybody else's DJX. That's what I've determined. <laughs> Which Facts. is sad because DJX takes everybody on a wild ride. DJX is unhinged. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, let's get into what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> All right, football time. <laughs> so the, the way these rules are written, I haven't changed the way the rules are written, but it's not really valid anymore because we're out of rank versus rank matchups the regular season. We're out of rivalry matchups in theory. Uh, we're into conference championships and FCS playoffs. We're picking all of those. Yeah. Also coming up, we're going to be picking every single bowl game. So there's Events plenty of football to be picked here. About to happen. What, what we have run out of, though, it is literally impossible for us to name additional games per week. We're picking every game for the rest of the season, just as is. Oh, man, what a feeling. So no bonus points anymore. No more polls on X to screw Tug out of more points. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened in our latest I'm poll just on saying, X. Everyone hates me. We I, in my defense, you in the, your I name didn't in the poll. say just you guys. I said everyone. <laughs> and we didn't put your name in the poll. Yeah. There was, there was, uh, nobody would have known it was you unless they listened to the show. Just, Which, I mean, I've been life. three of the four polls this year. Nobody would have known it was me. No, but it was a safe bet. <laughs> Not true. Actually, I've been two polls. Okay, let's, so let's, go to the, let's go to the points. Let's go to the points here because uh, now you are at seven and three in bonus points. You were bowl eligible. Two. He's bowl, we're but all yes. bowl eligible. What do you know? We all made bowl eligibility on bonus points. That's bowl, that's beautiful. Six games back. <laughs> I don't actually know off of uh, point percentage where, uh, it's where exactly actually, we stand. It, I, I, I looked at it based off these numbers. You have, I want to say, a point four, right? So you get a point where you're at like a point six nine two. I'm at like a point six five. Nice. Yeah. I'm at a point six nine. Yeah. Nice. You're also a point six nine. Nicer. That's, that's great. Uh, <laughs> you, I think you have a chance to beat me though, because we did pick pretty different things. Yes. This week. Yeah. I, I we'll, we'll get into it. We'll there was one it. game yeah. I think you picked out of animosity. Playoffs. We're starting with the FCS playoffs, though. We'll get playoffs. We're starting with the FCS playoffs. Still need to get you that button. I need it. I need <laughs> so it. So are you ordering one right now? <laughs> I'm gonna, give me a sec here. 
Give, give me a oh, jeez. We'll make the we'll make the we'll make some magic happen. We'll figure it Starting out. Starting us off with a CAA battle, Richmond at Albany. Now, neither these teams didn't get to meet up in the regular season, and that's part of why they ended up tying for the CAA championship. It was a three-way tie with Villanova as well. But Albany gets the seed, and I do believe in part because of when you look at the common opponents, Albany beat William and Mary by like three scores. Richmond beat William and Mary by a singular point. You know, there were a couple examples of that in CAA play. Albany looks to be the better team to me so far this year. So the committee believes so, and I think all three of us agreed. We do. Oh, shit. Wait, That's wait. the wrong dog. That's the wrong dog. My bad. <laughs> Oh. There we go. There we go. Okay. All right. The dogs are going to win this one. That is that is my <laughs> dog, uh, analysis yeah. on yeah. this. The dogs are going to win. And sometimes dogs do like to play with, step on, and maybe possibly eat spiders. That's going to happen this weekend. I will say though, I I don't I don't think anybody should be surprised that Richmond won last week. You know, we right. none of us picked them foolishly. I think. Yeah, but it was just I, because it would have been really cool if NC. Yeah, I think. I, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was kind of foolish on our part. I'm not going to lie. Next up, Youngstown State at number eight, Villanova, one of those teams that did tie for the CAA crown. Youngstown State has been such a different team on the road. It's so hard for me to pick the Penguins in this one. I don't know that I trust the Wildcats necessarily either, which, I mean, the committee somewhat agrees. That's why they're the eight seed, not higher than that, even though they did share the CAA crown. Villanova here. At home, I'm taking the Wildcats. Wait, wait, there's a dog here. Yeah, I mean, there's a Missouri Valley team. I just got confused. Uh, oh, okay. Well, let's yeah, fix every quick. everything you just said, realizing that it's Youngstown State on the road. Right. Yeah, it's it's Villanova. They're they're gonna they got the V for victory on their helmet. Uh, Tug, why are you going <laughs> with the Penguins here? Man, it's it is in fact the playoffs uh, and things are different now. Uh, yeah. Villanova is going to have the home crowd at their back. That's going to be huge. They're coming off a of bye week uh, but I like the way that Youngstown state actually matches up against them. I think Youngstown state's played tougher competition for most of the season. And I think that metal is going to show through here. Uh, we keep saying Youngstown state hasn't looked good on the road. Yeah, you're right. They haven't looked good on the road against Missouri Valley teams. Uh, last I checked Villanova does not meet that criteria. Uh, and actually, if I look back at their uh, at their record and their scores, I believe Villanova actually plays better on the road themselves than they have at home this year. Did you just say this game is in the playoffs? I did. <laughs> I have I have sent a soft button for now. We will find a okay. a better long term solution, Ben. I don't know how to integrate that into uh, Streamyard. There has oh, to be a way. I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> I got this. It, it hold on, and it has all of the options. So if Ben just wants to go into the full speech, he absolutely can play the whole speech for us. Absolutely not happening. Yeah, ah. no thanks. <laughs> Chattanooga at number seven, Furman, the seven seed here, in part because of sitting a lot of players in order to play Wofford at the end of the year and then dropping that game to Wofford, which is supposed to be a rivalry, and Furman didn't respect it. So they do lose a second game. Probably would have been the second seed in the entire tournament, but you gotta gotta finish the season, guys. Uh, what is really interesting to me here There's is that, well, that also Furman's 
quarterback that started the season won SoCon Player of the Year and then was like didn't play the last four weeks of the season. My God. So he's back. Um, the SoCon Player of the Year who won it without playing almost the entire season. <laughs> That's just, I, yeah. Furman's, Furman should win. Everybody's back. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's ready to go. Furman really should win. No, absolutely. I really, UT Chattanooga has been putting up a, a good season here, especially at the end. Uh, but Furman has had that whole season. And now they've even shown, hey, we can still win games with our backup quarterback, just not our backup team. I'll take Furman. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't, Lukey's here. I don't, I don't know what happened there. I don't know why, why they ended okay. up here. Of course, I'm going with Furman. Okay. They are, they are the number two team in this tournament. I, I hate that they sat everybody against Wofford. I get it. And honestly, it kind of worked in their favor because I don't think, I think this is probably a better spot for them to be in than if they were in that number two spot. And we'll talk about why here in a little bit as well. Very potentially. But that number three spot went to the South Dakota Coyotes. They're going to be playing Sacramento State. Coming to town here. Hornets versus the Coyotes. Uh, I guess I haven't really trusted Sacramento State the entire year. I think we've said this a couple of times, or at least I have. That one against Stanford is really carrying them mm-hmm. a lot of the way. I was surprised they were, they were able to pull it off last week. And I'm not going to pick them to pull off the upset here. Uh, yeah. Another, I, another damn Saluki on the slides. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, this one makes a little bit more sense. I am going with the Missouri Valley team. They got – the Salukis got their asses kicked. They had to run away, run out of South Dakota, and that's where this game is going to be taking place is in that dome up there. And Sacramento State I don't think is going to be ready for it. I Yeah, they played Stanford at Stanford. They beat Stanford. But they haven't played an environment like they're going to get in South Dakota. And this is the first – MVFC versus Big Sky matchup this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a big deal because last weekend Sacramento State took out North Dakota, and all the Big Sky fans are letting everybody hear about it. North Dakota is not on the same level of South Dakota. You can't really compare them. Uh, and I believe South Dakota, but they are that, in the same conference. That they are, but that doesn't mean much. That's like saying I beat North Dakota, I can beat South Dakota State. No, tell that, actually, tell that to a no. big Sky fan. That's the that's what the point of this is. And actually, North Dakota is a higher latitude. Yeah, correct. So levels. I mean, uh, is, is <laughs> that's what we're talking about? In Sioux Falls or South Dakota is in Vermilion. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That that's cool and all. I just want to see what the big city around there is because there's going okay. to be one. Okay, because you don't know it's, where Vermilion, Vermilion is. Right? No, no, because no, I know where. <laughs> all right. The big city is Vermilion. <laughs> I mean, big cities in quotations there for sure, but it's that is the the town that. South Dakota's in. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's the bo- that's what I was looking for is it's the border town uh yeah. on just about I-29 just north of uh Sioux City in Iowa. Right. Okay. That's the piece I was looking for because and again it is relatively close to uh Sioux Falls just like uh South Dakota State's out in Brookings which is just northeast of Sioux Falls I believe. Are you just trying to make sure that Sacramento State will have travel back home? 
when they lose? No, not at all. Don't <laughs> care. You're not going to fly out of South Dakota if that's going to happen. Like, <laughs> Got to drive down to Des Moines for that. <laughs> oh, did I just see a dog here? Uh, we're talking about Mercer <laughs> at South Dakota State. Uh, Mercer with their first ever playoff win last week. That was fun while it lasted. I'm sure it I, won't last much longer. Just just going to chalk one up for the called it train there, but I'm also going to call this one. I'm going Jacks. Uh, yeah, fuck you. I'm also going with Jacks. So suck yourself. And I'm going with the team <laughs> that gave South Dakota State their biggest scare of the season. No, yeah. I'm not. They're not playing in yep. this game. So I'm going with oh, okay. the right. themselves. That makes a lot more sense. That's, yep. that's a good idea. I'm I'm really excited that Mercer has made it this far. It's unfortunate they were as low seated as they were. I if this was maybe a quarterfinal matchup, maybe or even a semifinal matchup, maybe give them a little bit more, get a little more experience, get a little more going in the playoffs. But South Dakota State is on a different level this year. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Next here, North Dakota State at number six, Montana State. Honestly, the way the last couple of weeks went, I was a little bit surprised that Montana State even got a seed. Uh, not that surprised. I mean, they looked really great for the first several weeks of the year, but the way they finished the season, it was pretty rough there. And North Dakota State, the exact opposite. They're coming on at the right time. They pummeled a Drake team that just, you know, wasn't – they're not playoff material, let's be real. Um, I am going with the Bison here. It is worth noting, however, we're looking at two of the most efficient, most powerful, most explosive offensive lines in the entire tournament, back-to-back here, South Dakota State and Montana State. So, actually, if you want to stick with the trenches, there is a good argument for Montana State here. But North Dakota State's just been coming on so strong these last few weeks. It's hard for me to pick against that. Playoff experience that Tug was talking about, except for when he picked Mercer last week. So fuck you for making up a rule and not even sticking to it. <laughs> and you're picking the Salukis, Bug. What are you thinking there? Interesting. I'm thinking the Salukis <laughs> got absolutely trampled by the Bison. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly what they're going to do to Montana State. The, this is a tale of two teams in going in opposite directions. Montana State started off really strong and has started to fizzle out at the worst possible time whereas North Dakota State had a slow start and a lot of people were questioning them this season and they have come on so strong the past probably four or five weeks uh, including an absolute domination of SIU at the Fargo Dome they have to go on the road here that's going to add a a difficulty here for sure Uh, Mm -hmm. but matchup two of Missouri Valley Conference versus the Big Sky this week uh, I'm going with the Missouri Valley Football Conference yet again. Look, I I really want to go with North Dakota State here. Um, but again, this is another team that we haven't seen the same kind of play on the road. Montana State, I know I'm taking a risk here. They're not coming in hot. Uh, but I do like the way they match up against North Dakota State. Uh, the difference this year in this matchup is North Dakota State is not a one dimensional run offense anymore not like they have been the past couple years between Trey Lance and now they are starting to pass more I do like Montana State in this matchup though and I I wonder too how much the week off I 
there, you could look at it both ways. You could say the week yeah. off is going to hurt them. You could say it's going to be everything and more that they need. So I'm very curious to see which direction really it goes uh, for the Bobcats this yep. weekend. I do also want to say a point in Tug's defense here. The committee has been getting it very right as of late when they do pick seeds, as much as I just clowned them for making Montana State this number six seed here. Last two years in the second round, seeded teams are 15 and one. So this would only be the second upset in three years if we are picking this correctly, Bug and I. Are, are we, Juan, if we back this up, not that I want to, but are, are we all picking one upset here? I'm going to go check the slides. Uh, uh yeah. actually, yes. <laughs> so, well, so Bugs, we, we all Bugs have, probably picking two based we're, on we're, things we're, we're all in line, <laughs> but yeah, with, with one exception and an understandable exception, we are all yeah. in line with the second round, uh, history in some way. It's just, do we get it right? Well, next this, year, go ahead. This next game though, this is, yeah. Delaware coming in as the unranked seed where Montana is the two seed. This is exactly what I was talking about with Furman potentially getting in trouble here. Delaware is a playoff powerhouse. They have been for a very long time. They, they're a decent team all year, and then all of a sudden in the playoffs, they turn into something else, and you kind of have to throw out everything you know about them and just prepare for playoff Delaware. Yeah, in the 2000s. It, well, and Montana me, is also a very good, very solid playoff. Tell me team. the last time Actually, Delaware won the national championship. Yeah, it was so. probably like oh <laughs> eight. Case in point, uh, you got me. No, Montana has been dang good as well. We've seen it really the past couple of years. It feels like there are three big players in the FCS right now: the Missouri Valley, the Big Sky, and the CAA. In some form, we're seeing mostly teams out of those three conferences here, right? The only other big exception being uh, the Southern Conference with Mercer and Furman. So, yeah, I understand the CAA and Big Sky is going to draw some eyeballs and there's going to be a lot of discussion and I understand the the thought process of Delaware has been good in the past and so probably can be good again. But I also am looking at this season and saying, holy shit, Montana Grizzlies have been playing way outside of what I expected of them. Especially uh, after that loss earlier in the season, how I they know. started the season. I know. And the way they dismantled Montana State to end the year. Yeah, uh, just just yeah. It did something to me. And having Delaware have to go all the way out to Montana for this game. That's too. a long way to go. And it's a night game. And it's, it's two Montana. time zones. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I am. I'm picking the Grizzlies and I'm not hesitating. That's what happened here. Yep. Yeah. The, the color schemes got me a little bit. Okay. Uh, of course, I'm going with the Grizzlies here. And I was excited uh, for this next game because <laughs> actually it it actually made sense for you to just go ahead and pick the Salukis. They probably catch the blue hen faster than the grizzly bear would. Probably, probably they are they are racing dogs of some sort. <laughs> hey, fair. Before we move on to the next game, though, 
this is probably the best point that we have. It's not really a news show around here, but Delaware did just accept an invite to Conference USA. So starting in 2025, Delaware will be in the FBS and not the FCS anymore, this which is, is kind of crazy. Yeah, this one was wicked unexpected. I I mean, the timing of it was unexpected, but the fact that they were looking yeah. to move up was not unknown. I mean, it's it's been – it feels like something they've been preparing for for like 10 years and just never found the right opportunity. So I wonder how much – like the FCS division is is gonna is gonna last and how much is gonna change over the next five, ten years. You got so many teams going up and not a lot of teams coming in themselves. I mean, we talked about St. Thomas, mean, obviously, but who else is gonna who else in division two or three wants to even try and come up to the FCS at this point? I mean, we've just seen most of who's currently in the NEC has just come up recently. Right. Stonehill, Wagner, Long Island. We're looking at uh gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. uh Texas A&M Commerce just came up from Division Two. We're looking at Tarleton State just relatively recently moving up and looking probably to move up again to the FBS. Maybe not a great example. Uh, UTRGV is going to be a brand new football team thrust right into at the FCS level in 2025. They kind of had to in Texas, football. right? It's Texas. Uh, they had to. They had to make that move. Texas Rio Grande Valley. I already have a hat for them, even though their football team doesn't exist yet. Hell yeah. I'm waiting for Providence College to put a team up. Give me the oh, Friars gosh. with the team. Can uh, I get Rhode Island yeah. Institute of Technology? No, you want uh, Rhode Island School of Design. There we go. RSD, Scrody. RISD with Scody. Scrody, Scrody, yes. yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's go Nads. Look, when the going gets hot, the balls stick together. <laughs> I think all their defensive players need to stop once they reach two sacks. Just... <laughs> like, all right, I got to change positions, coach. New scheme. Yep. <laughs> all right, the final matchup we're going to talk about here in the round two of the FCS playoffs, Southern Illinois. The Salukis for real this time. I wonder At... who you're taking. The Vandals of Idaho. We missed a golden opportunity. We should have had Bugs start with the Vandals and then it swap, do the reverse on it. Oh, no. I mean, this this Saluki has been working hard. He's very excited, very excited to be going to Idaho, very excited to be the only game being played on ESPN2, playing in the Dome, looking for the opportunity to get the upset over the number four team. Good boy. Roll over. (laughs) So I... I wanted to take the Salukis here. I really did. But there's one thing that you keep reminding me of personally, Bug, is that at the FCS level, you play in a dome, shit gets wild. And SIU sucks ass on the road this year. It, well, mm-hmm. it, and, and so where this comes for me is not only is this in a dome, this is probably in the second or third hardest dome in the FCS to play in. I have to take the home team here. Uh, if If this were in... Uh oh, I just had it too. <laughs> Carbondale. Yeah, if this were in Carbondale, uh I probably would go with the Salukis. Uh and I know it's not Heron, but that's what I kept coming back to is You could have just said Southern Illinois. I yeah, I thought time. about it and then I froze because I was like, I wanted to go for it and, and I froze and it just it went downhill. <laughs> no, this is in Moscow. So Good. yeah. 
Bad time. Bad time I, for the Salukis. In Moscow, I'm probably going to take the Salukis, to be honest with you, but this is... Well, Moscow, Russia, but this is Moscow, <laughs> Idaho. Oh, God. <laughs> Join us today where Tug learns where every FCS college actually Apparently. is. Holy That's shit. I, don't, I can't believe you didn't actually know that. I thought that was... I thought you did know that, actually. No. Okay. Nope, gone. Yeah, it's yeah, it's in Moscow. I mean, he <laughs> forgot Carbondale, and I'm pretty sure I I've mean, taken him there before. Fair. Fair. Uh, yeah, I'm picking Idaho for most of the reasons that Tug said, even though he didn't know what he was talking about. Well, I know what I was talking about. I knew what I was saying. My points are still valid. I just didn't know the city. I'll also throw out here that Nick Baker – as I mentioned last week, most touchdown passes in a career by an SIU quarterback. He's got an opportunity to build on that, get even higher. Uh, I think he's going to come out ready to play. This is going to be a big test for SIU because, like I said, they've been awful on the road. Three of their four losses are on the road, and all three of those losses were horrendous. Two of them in domes. They've got they've got their work cut out for them for sure, but I'm going to ride with the Salukis here. Nick Baker is the first player I've ever heard of who does not like getting dome. <laughs> Accurate. He likes that open air. Oh, yeah, All right, baby. so this is this is Free conference championship week, which means we have not ten, but eleven conference championships to talk about. Why eleven? You might say. Well, that's because dumbass, you forgot one. There are ten FBS conferences. And also, the SWAC does a championship game to determine who gets to play in the Celebration Bowl against Howard this year of the MEAC. So, we're picking all 11 of these conference championship games in the order in which they will happen. So, it's been a while since I've really paid a ton of attention to Conference USA. The The CUSA logo is still very similar. Um. I feel like they just went and copied the American Athletic Conference's color scheme and said, I'm going to copy your homework. Uh, don't tell anybody. Maybe. Yeah, it kind of looks like Technically, that. though, the gray there was added uh, by someone other than the conference themselves. So it was blue, okay. white, and red. And then New Mexico State actually added the gray to make it fit with their graphic. And it was the only graphic I could okay. find where the logo popped out on the black background. Little behind the scenes of okay. how I figured out this logo situation. <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better. So, But we do have a couple of corporate sponsors. So, of course, I'm going to be reading them in their entirety as we get to them. Oh, that's yes. how they would have wanted it. But we're starting off on Friday 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS Sports Network. Liberty will be hosting the Conference USA Championship this year against New Mexico State. These are two newcomers to the conference, their first year in Conference USA for both schools. New Mexico State was independent last year. So was Liberty. Liberty was one of the weird exceptions to NCAA rules when they still made exceptions way back in the day. Like a couple of years ago, they decided <laughs> they don't want to do that anymore. So they've clamped down on some rules. But Liberty was one of those exceptions that was allowed to come up to the FBS, even though they did not have a conference invite at the time. 
let's be real. It was a money thing. They they paid their way to be able to do that. I'm sure. And the NCAA likes money. Also, everybody likes money. It was nobody more than the NCAA. That Liberty was not invited to any conference because no conference wanted to have to deal with a team that was going to spend more money than they would anyone else in the conference would. So uh, Liberty is a private school. doesn't have to divulge their finances here. Uh, they're probably spending a lot more money on football than almost anyone else in Conference USA. They're doing well at it, though. Yes. They are undefeated, 12-0, and number 24 in the latest college football playoff committee rankings the second highest ranked group of five team behind Tulane. If they win and SMU upsets Tulane, it's very possible we're looking at Liberty in a New Year's Six Bowl this year. But to do that, they need to get past New Mexico State, who is 10-3, their first 10 win season since the 1960s, led by Bugs' favorite man in the world, Jerry Kill. My man. <laughs> And, of course, this should be a fantastic matchup. Very much so looking forward to this. They they did play once already this year. Liberty did win that matchup. Of course, they are undefeated. 33-17 to 17 at that. That was before New Mexico State figured out that playing football is a good idea in a football season. Would recommend doing that more often. Oh, damn. And once they started doing that, they, they turned it around pretty quickly. Uh, this could be... One for the ages. I'm actually very excited for this game. It's one of the games I'm most looking forward to this entire weekend. This is one of the games that has the makings of being an all-time classic. Some of these other ones, uh, they're really probably not going to be the best game. This one, up and down, is very evenly matched. Uh, personally here, I'll give my pick away. I do like Liberty in this matchup, especially at home. Uh, and it. Man, they're they're fighting for a little bit more right now. Not that New Mexico State's not fighting for anything. You know, you got a conference championship on a line. But I like the way Liberty's looked all year. I don't see them slowing down going into this game. I agree. I like Liberty a fair bit this season. I, I didn't expect to like them as much as I do, honestly. Um but I was I was impressed a couple of times I got to see them. I got to see them live as well against Western Kentucky, a team I thought to be better than they were this year. And Liberty just dominated that game start to finish. I hope that's not what happens here. I kind of don't expect that's what will happen here because I believe New Mexico State's a very well-coached team and talented at a couple of key positions. It feels like this one should go Liberty's way, though. It does feel that way, and especially when you look at their previous matchup, right? But as you mentioned, New Mexico State is a completely different team. The turning point for them was after they played that game against Hawaii. That was their last loss. It was a game in Hawaii. They lost it by three points. And really, those two teams have gone completely different directions as well. New Mexico State caught fire against Auburn, didn't look back. They let off the gas maybe a little bit too much on senior night against Jacksonville State, but give credit where it's due. Jacksonville State is also a very good team this season. I like a lot of what I've seen from New Mexico State the last couple weeks, even with kind of the stumble they had at the end of the game last week. That, I think, was the wake-up call that they needed to help get them ready for this game. It's very hard to beat a team twice in one year, especially – 
a team like New Mexico State uh, that is so, so different from the first time they played Liberty this season. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, I'm very much so looking forward to this one. So It's going to be a great game. <clears throat> this is our first of two conference championships on Friday. The other being the Pac-12 championship game, the last ever Pac-12 championship game. Uh, as far as we know, the Pac-12 as a brand will still exist next year, but it will be controlled by only two teams instead of 12. The only which... two members of the 12-team conference. <laughs> oh, man. Whoa, that's crazy. Anyway, uh, right now, both of these teams are still in the Pac-12. Oregon, Washington, this is a rematch of a game that was – Incredibly exciting earlier in the year. One of the best games of the season by far. 36-33 Washington at Washington when that game took place. But now on a neutral site in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, for the Pac-12 title on ABC, the Oregon Ducks are favored by 10 points. That is wild to me, but also... Maybe does make some sense looking at how Washington has performed recently. They are 12-0, undefeated, number three in the college football playoff committee rankings. The last two weeks, a two-point win at Oregon State, a three-point win against Washington State. They have been skating on very thin ice. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, Oregon has been looking better than ever and potentially looking like one of the best teams in the country, even though they have that one loss. They are up there at number five in the playoff committee rankings. It is crazy to think how much disrespect the Pac-12 has gotten over the past couple of years. And then now this season, the Pac-12 title game is a play-in game for the four-team playoff. Whichever of these teams wins will be in that four-team field. 100 percent yep i i think the biggest thing here for me i i wanted to go with washington but what i keep coming back to is the conversation we had last week about or maybe it was earlier this week sorry it was on monday talking about how we think michael Penix is hurt playing hurt hiding some type of injury i can't get that out of my head when i go through the list of you know the five Power five matchups, power five conference championship games, the favorite. Who who do I think is least likely to win it? And of course, Washington's the favorite because they're the undefeated team, not the the betting favorite. But when I look at it, they've got to be near the top of the list of least likely to win this game. Look, everything you guys say kind of sums up where I'm at. Oregon's looked hot. Washington has cooled off significantly. This is not at home for Washington, which it was the last time these guys played each other uh, in that game. If it was in Oregon, I think probably goes the other way. Put it on neutral site. I think this could go either way. Add in the inefficiency, uh, the recent inefficiency of Michael Penix, whether that is due to the injury that we're speculating about or not, it he has in general been inefficient over the last few weeks. I I, I like Bo Nix and the Ducks here. I, I, I really do. I do as well. And I got to say, it's kind of crazy to think, but Bo Nix has a chance to win the Heisman this weekend. 
I think whoever wins this game comes out as the betting odds favorite uh, for the Heisman. Only because Jaden Daniels doesn't have a chance to play this weekend. Wow. But it is it feels like a three person race right now between those three quarterbacks, which also kind of sucks because it's only a quarterback award, even though that's probably not actually accurate. <laughs> it's not. Marvin yeah. Harrison should be in the in the conversation. I mean, you said it, I mean. <laughs> I, why I said it. it's because I know you couldn't. I agree. <laughs> well, then moving to Saturday, we have the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship. You know, on ABC in Jerry World, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. The so a home Texas game for the Longhorns. Horns, yeah. Basically. Uh, the Texas Longhorns are 11-1, and one, number seven in the college football playoff committee rankings. And we'll be facing the Oklahoma State Cowboys, number 18 in the playoff committee rankings this weekend. Uh, they did. I was about to say they did meet in the regular season, and then I don't actually think that they did meet in the regular season, which is crazy because the Big 12 used to play everybody. But they added a couple of teams and didn't get to meet in the regular season this year. So we actually don't know. Uh, anything <laughs> about how these two teams match up with each other based on a head-to-head result. What is fun, though, is that Texas is – people talk about, is Texas back? It's been a conversation for like 12 years. This is the first time I believe it's basically – it feels like Texas is back, right? 11 wins. They went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. You don't do that unless you're By back. 10. By 10. Even still, the Big 12 Coach of the Year Award, voted on by other coaches in the Big 12, went to Mike Gundy and not Steve Sarkeesian. (laughs) That is a fuck you, see you later, horns down, and we're giving it to the guy who's sticking with the conference. (laughs) The Big 12 is behind the pokes here. Well, you know Oklahoma didn't fucking vote for Sark. Come on. They well, didn't vote the, for Gundy either. <laughs> I guarantee you they voted for Gundy over Sark. If that if they only had two options, they voted for Sark. They won one of those rivalry games. They lost the other. They lost a lot after they beat Texas. All right. Let's let's just start they, there. Oklahoma probably voted for Dana Holgerson, who got fired. <laughs> <laughs> but even still, I have to be picking with the Longhorns here. I just I have a little bit of faith here. Yeah, so I, I'm i taking Oklahoma State. This is a shot in the dark here, uh, mostly because this is still the Big 12, and wild things do still happen. Um, man, it it really is any given Saturday. You can expect anything from a 6-7 to seven game to a 66-69 to 69 shootout. Uh, you really don't nice. know what's coming out of the Big 12 here. Thanks. Um I I feel like Oklahoma State's going to fight to make a statement. I think that's going to be more. Yeah, Texas is battling for a chance at a playoff position, but even that, looking at their current ranking, they still need a lot of help. Um, so do we want to do we want to do, do we want to have this conversation now, or do we want to do the the playoff implications? What we expect? Well, let's after. go ahead and have it right now. We're talking about Texas okay. right now. Let's talk about it. So we already talked about Washington, Oregon. That that is basically a play-in game. So right. that will work itself out. That leaves Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State in the top four. 
Mm-hmm. For the next four teams to make it in, you would expect one of them has to lose. Or no, absolutely one of them has to lose. Sorry. One of them has to lose to open that spot up. The conversation I've been seeing, uh, first of all, I just want to say, I don't know that I can get behind Ohio State getting in. I can't honestly. either. With, with the fact that Texas and Alabama would both be conference champions, mm-hmm. I don't know that I can get behind Ohio State getting in. With the way they're ranked, though. That's- the way they're ranked is that- irrelevant when you add on top of that a conference championship. Right. Right. So That's fair. W- if Texas is a conference champion, they will automatically leapfrog a team who didn't get to play in their conference title game in Ohio State. So here's question. Go ahead. Yeah, here's the question. Let's say Michigan and Florida State win for the sake of Mm -hmm. this argument. Sure. Because this is this is what a lot of people have been going to. Alabama beats Georgia and Alabama jumps a conference champion Texas. And somehow that also knocks out an undefeated Michigan or Florida State. Yeah. I have no idea what the committee would do in that situation. I know what the the talk is, uh, but I I think what the, I would what I would do is I would probably leave the Longhorns out. And I know that sounds ridiculous if Alabama's in and Texas beat them. I that's I am coming at this from the angle of teams do change over the course of a season, and let's look at the very first playoff. Ohio State lost at Virginia Tech in 2014 and then ended up winning the national championship. Like there are losses that happen early in the year that a team can recover from and be a different team. And if Alabama beats Georgia, you're not leaving out an undefeated conference champion just to have Texas in to justify putting Alabama in. Alabama being in is unrelated to whether or not Texas is in. If they beat Georgia, Alabama is going to be in. So, okay. So here's the question. Mm -hmm. Washington, Oregon, irrelevant. Michigan wins, Florida State wins. Those three teams have to be in. should be in. So if Alabama beats Georgia, are you saying Alabama gets in over Georgia? Or who's who's one of the three odd men out there? You leave out Georgia in that situation. You have to. You you have to because you have four – you would have two 12 and one teams. One of them has a conference championship and one of them doesn't between Alabama and Georgia. You give it to Alabama. So here's, here's the next question. Sure. Again, Washington, Oregon works itself out. Michigan right. wins. You're taking, I'm going to spoil your pick. You're taking Iowa because you're not going to take the Wolverines. Right. But Michigan wins. Georgia, Alabama Mm-hmm. Alabama wins, FSU mm-hmm. loses. Do you have Georgia and Alabama in with a Texas Longhorn Conference champion? No, I would have Alabama and Texas in over Georgia. So I, I don't think it goes that way. And I don't think it goes that way because, Doug, you're looking at this from a pure heart, and I respect the hell out of that. So where I look at that, why Texas gets left out there, and I think this is what Ben's driving at, Georgia goes in because of the viewership. It's going Georgia goes in the money. Texas has higher viewership than Georgia this year and for the past several years. Texas is a bigger brand than Georgia and has been for the history of college football. This is the fact that Georgia's undefeated is honestly amazing because this was the worst Georgia team in the past three years. Yes. Like last year would destroy this team and 
two years ago would absolutely destroy this team. It right. seems like they've gotten worse over the past three years and continue well, to and, and, and that's part of this too. Like you can't you can't leave out an undefeated conference champion champion. So if Florida State wins, people are talking about they should be left out in favor of getting both Alabama and Georgia in. Yeah, I, I'm not getting on board disagree with that. With that. Yeah, I I'm not getting on board with that. that at all. If if you have an undefeated conference champion, it, whether or not Jordan Travis ever plays football again in his life is irrelevant to that conversation. You have a undefeated Power Five champion. Yep. Florida State needs to be in the playoff. So there, really, it, this weekend could be extremely simple for the playoff committee. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> if all the favorites win, you just have four undefeated Power Five champions in the playoff. So. Is there it? So I, Tug. I think you're thinking there's a shot that we get two SEC teams in. Doug, there you're all, saying to me there always has to be there, and and I hate to say that, but they have made it clear over the past three, four years right. that that's what they want. So I I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out either. I'm just saying I ideally. In a correct playoff scenario, in that situation, Alabama and Texas would be in over Georgia. Of course, if Oklahoma State wins this game, that messes everything up to begin with. Right. And that's it, part honestly, of the reason I'm actually going with them is because Oklahoma State is good at one thing. They, they, very <laughs> year in and year out, Oklahoma yeah. does one thing really well, and they play spoiler really well. So and this that's is what's on the table here. This they would is be the very p- offended that you just said Oklahoma. <laughs> the Pokes are really good at playing spoiler. Okay. This is could, this is at a state there next time. This is this is pandemonium world. All right. Michigan somehow loses. Sure. Washington, Oregon is gonna like watch that. We're really talking about three spots here. Right. Michigan somehow loses. Florida State loses. Georgia yep. loses. Texas yep. loses. Okay. You're not going to like what I have to say. What are your teams then? Ohio State ends up in. No. They absolutely no. do in that situation. No. Here's yes. legitimately what I think would happen in that situation. I Legitimately, it would be Pac-12 winner number one. Yep. Number two would be Alabama. Yep. Three, the team up north. And four, Georgia. I So, so here's why I disagree. Georgia's in, I agree, but they throw Ohio State in over Michigan. Why? Because of resume. So both of them are one-loss teams. Both of them are non-conference champions. Ohio State sneaks in because they lost to a ranked team, and Iowa did not. You mean Michigan? Iowa is ranked. Uh, you, uh, You... Not a top five, not a top four, which is what Ohio State lost to was the number three team in the nation, right? Even then, even if you drop yeah, them, yeah, but you have the you have the head to head from week prior. So. I I I think they're going to overlook that. I, I agree with you. Also, don't want Ohio saying. State to be in the playoff this year. So <laughs> I get that. Just... I get that, and I agree with where you're trying to go with it. Like, ideally, you're right. It would be Michigan in that situation. I don't trust the committee to not throw Ohio State. There. Ohio State in in that situation. Oh gosh, there are so many hypotheticals. It's really stupid. Let's stop talking about it until next week when we have some idea. And actually, and we'll we know can, Sunday. 
So we'll be able to talk about it on the show Monday. That's fair. So it'll be it'll be better then. Let's move on to a championship game that has no playoff implications. This is the MAC championship. Isn't that nice. <laughs> this game is at Ford Field every year in Detroit. This is also a noon game, and this one will be on ESPN. Now, this is the Miami Red Hawks against the Toledo Rockets. Jason Candle is your Mac coach of the year, leading the Rockets to an 11-1 and record at back-to-back appearances in the Mac championship game. Miami Red Hawks have made it here for the first time since 2019, the last time they made the Mac championship, although they have been fairly competitive every year in the Mac, uh, though I don't know that's necessarily a, a hard thing to say. Almost every team is competitive almost every year in the Mac because that's how the Mac works. Now, the favorite going into this is definitely Toledo. I think almost everyone would agree that Toledo is the favorite. But this is the Mac. It has been since Northern Illinois in 2011-2012 since we have had a repeat champion in the Mid-American Conference. For that reason, that reason alone, <laughs> I'm picking Miami to win this game. And I I actually kind of feel good about it. Uh, <laughs> I just don't trust anyone to actually repeat in the MAC. It's almost impossible. Look, I'm, I'm taking Miami <laughs> here. One, they're a really good team. Uh, one of their losses is to uh, – the you, you know, I, I'll give him a little bit of a pass on that, but what I'm really looking for, and I think there are other losses only to Toledo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what I'm looking for here, why I like Miami is they're a solid team all around. I like the way they match up, but the biggest thing is this is the Mac and wild things happen. Every chance they get, the only thing they could have done better is throw this on the CW. Yeah. That was a 21-17 game that last Miami Toledo. We we're not the, letting we're not letting the Mac meme us. Right. That's bad. No way. That's no valid. way. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, also, Toledo's only loss, by the way, is to Illinois. So <laughs> which is not a great loss. Right. <laughs> this annoys me. Let's look at the Mountain West Conference Championship game. <laughs> Which is why the Pac-12 has to play on Friday. They're getting kicked out for the Mountain West on Saturday. Wild. Yeah. Oh, man. Because the Mountain West doesn't do a neutral site. They do a home stadium. And UNLV is hosting this one in Allegiant in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, this was a three-way tie to finish at number one in the Mountain West standings between the two teams listed here, Boise State UNLV, but also San Jose State. San Jose State beat UNLV in the last week of the Mountain West regular season. And it came down to a computer ranking. I don't know which computer ranking. The Mountain West kind of just picked one, apparently. And it said that Boise State and UNLV were the two best teams in the Mountain uh, West. The The computer ranking was the little machine they put in and said, hey, which team will give me the vo- most viewers? computer uh, no it's an established computer poll i just forget which one it's not so, the bdt trench ratings it is not it is not that is unfortunate we should contact mountain west about that anyway <laughs> have i got a poll for you 
That sounded sexual. So oh, yeah. this <laughs> it's really interesting this year in the Mountain West Championship game. We have a team with an interim head coach playing in the Mountain West title game against a team with a former SEC head coach in UNLV's Barry Odom. Uh, this is got to be the best finish for UNLV in ever. I, I'm making that up, but it feels true. And Boise <laughs> State finds their way in the Mountain West Conference Championship game, even though they really probably should, should be. never have been here. It, honestly, this is a bit of a letdown, even for me. I know Tug feels that way uh, because Air Force started 8 0. But I was very much so looking forward to an Air Force Fresno State Mountain West title game with both taken of them Air potentially Force being unreaded. That would have been very fun as well. Uh, but no, no, we get uh, we get the Broncos and the Rebels. It's the Rebels. It's going to be the Rebels. It should be the Rebels. Let's move on before I get angry. It it will definitely be Boise State now that we've all picked the Rebels. Yep. Yeah, we're going to get <laughs> so, memed one more time. No, you are not using the Blue Falcon. No. Fuck, I'm not. I will blue, go in before the show. I will go in before the show and delete it. I'll password protect the file. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, the American Athletic Championship <laughs> is set for Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern on ABC. This one is also a home game, not a neutral site. The home team is Tulane and Yolman Stadium in New Orleans, Louisiana. Tulane is the number 22 team in the most recent college football playoff committee rankings. They are in line to be the New Year's Six representative for the group of five. To do that, they need to beat SMU, who is undefeated in American Athletic Conference play, as is Tulane. But Tulane gets to host because of the better overall record, 11-1. Tulane's only loss in the season coming to Ole Miss. But yeah, that was game they probably should have won. It was 17 points. I don't it know. Was, it felt closer than that. It was much closer until the until the end of that game. Fair. Uh I am picking the green wave here. I'm riding with the Mustangs. What are you thinking? Man, it's tough. This one, Tulane, they've looked good at the end of the year, but then again, so has SMU. Uh, SMU's been lighting it up, handling their opponents. Not that Tulane's been playing necessarily close games, but I also don't think Tulane has really been tested after that Memphis game. Uh, SMU has kind of... I, I don't like that face. I don't. I, I guess we're just going to discount the fact that if UTSA had won, they'd be in the conference championship game. Right. But I... I like the way SMU matches up here. I do. I like okay. the way that this is going. And these are, honestly, these are conference championship games. There's very few that we should be picking all the way across. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I just got to take a dog at some point. Yeah, I was looking at it from the aspect of, you know, the games that they had with Memphis. Tulane beat Memphis by more than SMU beat Memphis. That's exactly where I went to. And that's uh, also, the... Go ahead. I say that's the only 
common opponent they had. Obviously, that's not true, but that's the best common right. opponent they had. The next best would be Rice, maybe. Or now, maybe you could count North Texas as one of the better ones. Yeah, I... but but even 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 the Rice game, SMU beat Rice by more than Tulane did. So it, every pretty much everywhere you look, you're going to see that SMU has taken care of business a little bit better or taking care of business better in some two lanes done better in others, but Memphis, I think is the best common opponent that they have. Uh, and that's really what I come back to. And the, and the win over UTSA, which yeah. I still contend UTSA played very poorly in that one, giving Tulane a shot to win. But the fact that Tulane took care of the ball and handled their business was still impressive to me. It was a 13 point win over a team that was previously undefeated in conference play. So well and that's that's been their keys to success all year. That's what's kept them out of trouble is ball security and being able to yeah. win the turnover battle. I don't know. Neither team was really that impressive this year. A lot of people talk about the the play of all the teams that have come into the American Athletic Conference and how it's brought the conference down. Really the conference just isn't that strong anymore to begin with the teams that have that are still around are not near as good as they were three four years ago i know smu got into the acc through a couple different ways than pretty much anybody else that's a couple million up. different ways really yeah a couple million different <laughs> ways uh than pretty much any other team that's gone up to a power five conference i am less confident in their ability to succeed at in the ACC than any other team that was left the conference recently. Yeah, I understand the sentiment. And when you look at how Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF performed in the Big 12 in their first year in the Big 12, or it even gives, Louisville, it gives everybody a little bit of pause. Yeah. But I think we all kind of knew Cincinnati was heading towards a rebuild anyway. Like, they mm-hmm. had two years of guys getting drafted and Luke Fickle left. Like, this wasn't going to be a good year for Cincinnati. I thought I, I feel like we all kind of knew that. Houston has been up and down all the time. I don't know at, at any point in their history they've ever been consistently good. They have, like, two years on, two years yeah. off all the time. Yeah. And UCF may be the surprise, but they're still bowl eligible. So, yeah. it's a little bit of... I don't know what anybody expected out of those programs. And Louisville, every, every, people rag on that move, but they got put in a division in the ACC with Florida State and Clemson. So they when were they never going to sniff the conference title game yeah. for the first decade. Now that the first year the ACC goes divisionless is their first appearance in the title game against Crazy the team that, that was in their division in Florida State. So it's it's just a... A matter of where they ended up. They would have been in the conference title game like three times already if they'd been put in the other division. So it's I don't I don't know that that's necessarily a fair way to look at this. It it will be really hilarious if we end up getting an ACC title game of SMU against Stanford in the next couple of years, though. Stop. All right, we're done. Cal Cal Stanford. <laughs> we're done. Cal Stanford in North make, Carolina. Yeah, make them come out to North Carolina game. to play the game. Yeah. Gosh, uh, the SEC championship. This one will be on CBS. Uh, neutral site game, quote unquote, in Mercedes Benz Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia. 
because that's totally neutral site. Number one, Georgia against number eight, Alabama. This game has been talked to death by everyone. I don't feel like we really need to rehash all of the storylines here. Uh, we're all picking Georgia, which does surprise me, though. Does scare I'm me. actually a little bit scared. That's that's what I have for you. Is I, th- us all picking Georgia scares me. Um, but of late, Georgia has looked decent, save for that Georgia Tech game. Uh, whereas, again, through most of the game a lot closer than it should have been. Um, man, this scares me, but after Georgia, that, Georgia beat Georgia Tech because Georgia's the better team. Auburn beat Alabama, or Alabama beat Auburn because they got lucky. They were not the better team last week. Yeah, but I could also argue to the same effect that when Georgia played Auburn, if we're going to use common opponents, that it was much the same. Georgia got lucky on a few of those plays in the second half against Auburn. Auburn played that game really close all the way through too, right? Auburn is a different beast at home. But what I was going to say is after that Auburn game, that's when Georgia started clicking. Maybe that happens with Alabama, but I think they're going to be at least partially emotionally drained and effectively on the road. I'm, I'm taking the dogs. We want to keep playing the common opponent game. Georgia beat Kentucky 51-13. Alabama beat Kentucky 49-21. (laughs) 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 And also, if Alabama wins that championship game, we are going to crown New Mexico State as SEC champs. (laughs) Can I change my pick? No. (laughs) Sure. Go ahead. Pick New Mexico Tug, State for you it. You of all people cannot say, <laughs> no, I can't change my pick. I can't if you're doing it for a meme. That's, That's the, the best, best reason. Time. <laughs> all right. The SWAC championship. This will be on ESPN2. It is a home game for Florida A&M at Bragg Memorial Stadium in Tallahassee, Florida. The Rattlers are number 10 in the FCS Stats Perform Top 25, though, of course, they're ineligible for the playoffs. Not ineligible. Playoffs. They they got invited, but they turned it down because they wanted to play in the SWAC title game and then play in the Celebration Bowl. That's how the SWAC and MEAC do it every year, I found out recently. Their champions do get invited, and then they turn them down every single year. So that's weird and a formality that's been – a thing ever since the playoffs does, started, I guess. Does the conference turn them down or the school? Probably the conference. But the conference that, is made up of schools, so the schools turn I'm, them down. I'm, I'm going to pretend for my own sanity that it's the schools and we're going to move on with our lives. I mean, I've if just, the school really had a problem with it, the school would tell the conference leave. to go shove it and go play in the playoff. So, or I, leave the conference. I've got the Rattlers here. I did not expect yeah. uh, Prairie Valley to have this this good of a season. I, I'm what's up, preview? Exactly. I didn't even know this was a school. <laughs> Shame on me, but I did because we previewed them in the off season. That's when I found out they existed. Yeah, same. Golly, y'all suck. <laughs> and I w- we were right for hating. Although the I will say, because it was I will to die out of nowhere. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Is what he said wrong? 
Yeah, actually. The Big East died before any of them. Oh, All fuck right, so off. <laughs> I think we we all predicted that Prairie View AM was not going to be very good. Correct. In the offseason. I think that's actually true. Correct. Just <laughs> that, that, that division in the SWAC sucks overall. Correct. So we're picking Florida AM here. And if the SWAC were divisionless, as a lot of FBS conferences are now, this would actually be Florida AM against Jackson State, which would be a lot more fun. And I wish that happened, but it's not going to happen. So, can we, get, can we get Blue Falcon for no reason at all if we lose this one, too? Sure. <laughs> Why do you like that so much? It is not a good thing. Because <laughs> it makes you and- mad and it's fun. And yet the Academy decided that a blue Falcon specifically was the person. I was not there when we were deciding. Correct. But that doesn't (laughs) affect me any. (laughs) The Sun Belt Football Championship presented by Hercules Tires on Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Another home game, not neutral site. This is a home game for the Troy Trojans. In Troy, Alabama, Veterans Memorial Stadium. This is Appalachian State at Troy for, I don't know, the second year in a row that Troy has made this Unbelt title game. And Appalachian State is here because James Madison is ineligible. They, James Madison, would have been the favorite here if they would were allowed the home to team here. And would have been the home team here. Yes. But instead, we get Appalachian State away from Boone and down in Troy. This game could be a Troy-style game where it takes eight minutes to move the ball anywhere as a gross defensive battle, and it ends up 17-10. to Or it could be an Appalachian State-style game where it ends up 69 to nothing because it's fun, and we don't know who's going to win that one because it could go either way even though it's 69 to nothing. That those are the two possible outcomes here. Yes. <laughs> Look, all right, I'm the odd man out. Let me explain this one. Uh, I am riding with Appalachian State. They have not really let me down all year. Uh, yeah. More importantly, when you put Appalachian State in any game, it more than likely tends to be ex- the second one you just said. A wild game. Nobody saw it. Somebody takes over the game. It's insane. And that also happens when Appalachian State's on the road for some yeah. reason. Uh, it doesn't matter as long as Appalachian State Not is as in, often. <laughs> as long as Appalachian State is in the game, wild things happen. More importantly, Appalachian State is already hearing the rumors. Uh, based on what you just said, they don't belong there. It should be James Madison. Everybody across the college football world is saying that, and rightfully so. So Appalachian State's going to come into this game with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove. That's why I'm going with the Mountaineers here. At the same time, Troy comes into this game with the second leading rusher out of the group of five, at least, in Kamani Vidal. And they can control the clock with that running game and that defense, keep that Appalachian State offense off the field. And yes, the offense is exciting. They do still take some time to work. And if they're not given any, I mean, that gives Troy a pretty good chance to win the game. Yep. So I am going with the Trojans here. They've also been really great at home the past couple of seasons, especially on defense. I'm rooting for Troy, I must say. 
moving right along. Towards yeah, at home. To the ACC championship game. I know someone who will be at this game. Very excited for this. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Louisville makes their first ever ACC title game appearance, as we've already kind of touched on. Number 14 in the college football playoff committee rankings against the number four team, the Florida State Seminoles, who are currently undefeated if Florida State wins this game. They fucking better be in the playoff. You do not leave out an undefeated Power 5 team. I don't care who you are. That legitimately I'll boycott. I will not watch a second of the – I won't even watch the New Year's Six Bowls. I'll boycott that too. But if Louisville wins this game, that's probably their best shot right now to be in that New Year's Six because uh, it's kind of getting tight down there and mm-hmm. New Year's Six might take an extra SEC team over taking a like maybe still the top 25 Louisville team. I know they have a win over Notre Dame, but that loss to Kentucky and a back-to-back loss if they do lose to Florida State would really hurt their chances. Even still, this defense has been exciting and Florida State is without their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis. Yeah, and I had to fight back and forth on that one. Uh, and I really went back and watched the Florida state, Florida game and thought about it and watched it close. There was a feeling out period that lasted a lot longer for both teams in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams were playing with backup quarterbacks. Florida has played well at home. They've also made mistakes at home. Of course, losing to Arkansas earlier in the season, but that ultimately wasn't what got the better of them. Florida State's defense and just the experience of Rodemaker really, really came through in this one. And that's what elevated Florida State. That his performance, especially down the stretch, is really what gives me the confidence to go with the Seminoles here because he does have that experience. He has been in that situation before. And then even if he gets hurt, we got a little glimpse of their freshman quarterback, and he's not too bad himself. I really like the Seminoles in this one. And, yeah, some of this is probably I don't want to pick against Mike Norvell either. I understand going with Louisville here 100%. But, man, it's it's tough to not want to take Florida State here. I'm going to sit here and I'm looking at this. And like you guys are saying, this game can go either way. There's a big piece missing from Florida State's offense and Jordan Travis. That hurts. But what I'm looking at is the team that regardless of who was playing and was not has shown up week in and week out and been consistently what they are true to themselves all year, uh, winning the games they should and not dropping them to uh, either Kentucky or to Notre Dame. I'm going to take the Seminoles. You mean Pitt, which is worse. But yeah, they lost to Pitt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like losing to Hawaii. So Correct. Here's the thing, Army. And, and this is why I love college football, and this is why I'm picking Louisville. I don't give a shit if you're consistent. I don't give a shit if you lose to Pitt. That rhymed. Eat shit. Eat shit, Pitt. What matters in college football is that you show up for big-time games, and when you have a young, inexperienced roster with a head coach in his first year with the program, sometimes Pitt happens – uh, and <laughs> nice. that happened to Louisville earlier this year. 
And honestly, I think that's what happened last week against Kentucky as well. I know it's an SEC program. I know it's a it's already a bowl eligible team. It's a rivalry matchup. Louisville was looking ahead to Florida State. Is exactly what I think was happening there. And I understand you can take that a couple different ways. You can say Louisville is not a good team for that. That's totally fine. You can believe that all you want to. It doesn't fucking matter because this is college football. Now all it takes is like a couple of great plays and you can have any upset you want. What has impressed me most about Louisville this year is a, the offensive line has been phenomenal. I did not expect that. Number two, the defense has been outperforming every expectation I've ever had of any Louisville defense in history. Also, running back Jawar Jordan is having a better season than Trey Benson is for Florida State, and nobody's really talking about it. So chalk that up to the offensive line, but if I'm going to pick a a team with, yes, an experienced but still a backup quarterback against a team with their starting quarterback all season and a better running game and a better offensive line, get them to show up for this big moment in this big time game i'm picking louisville and i i understand it's an upset pick but damn it'd be fun (laughs) i i'm down with that is that would be fun (laughs) and then the big 10 championship game the last game of the day on saturday 8 p.m eastern time on fox the presented by discover by the way this was in lucas oil stadium in indianapolis it is the number two in the country, Michigan Wolverines at 12-0 and 0 versus the number 16 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes at 10-2. and 2. Now, Iowa has been so frustratingly, gloriously beautiful this year with an offense to, to, to throw up for and a defense <laughs> that is worth writing home about. Uh I don't know if Iowa will score a point in this game uh, on offense. (laughs) (laughs) What I do know is that Vegas agrees with that sentiment. Actually, it is currently even money that Iowa will will be scoreless at halftime. So (laughs) do with that information what you will. (laughs) Also... This very well could be a 7-3 to three game with no touchdown scored. I'm taking Iowa two safeties and a field goal. Michigan gets a field goal. <laughs> Iowa guys with the upset. Let's fucking go. Oh, man. Look, look, look. <laughs> so we're sitting here. Michigan opens at 22-point favorites. Cool. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> the under... The over under is 34 and a half. It's the highest over under that there's yeah, been for an Iowa game in weeks. Well, and you got to consider you know, Penn State won against Iowa 31 to nothing. So it's very possible that that's it's basically what I'm Michigan. that's basically what I'm expecting. <laughs> is I'm expecting the under to hit. I'm expecting Michigan to take this one. Uh, even if it is 14 nothing, 14-3, 14-6. Those are all realistic possibilities in this game. With seven safeties and Stop two it. field goals for Michigan. I'm picking Michigan. 
You're taking Iowa. You can hope for the craziness all day. Uh, look, it is worth noting that the best player on Iowa's team and the only reason they're in this position, one of the only reasons they're in this position is they will make Michigan. He, let me rephrase, he will make Michigan go the entire length of the field, no matter from where he punts. Um, the best player on their team is their punter. It doesn't matter. Uh, What's his name? I'm, I don't know. I don't care. He's not a person. Yeah, he doesn't have a name. He's but just he worth is yards. because he's the punter for Iowa. And therefore, he has value. He's just worth <laughs> yards, and I'm pretty sure he has close to a thousand net punt yards on the season, if not over. He probably has That's more punt beautiful. yards than the offense has. He does. He does. He like does, that is very actually. Firm. Yes. Uh, he has more expected points added per with every punt than the offense has. On his name is Troy play. Taylor. Yeah, I mean. I hate I, to I even gotta have to look see this. Up, I gotta, I gotta but... look at him. Well, no, I want to look up his stats on, on ESPN. So beautiful. I, what I really, I also actually do believe that JJ McCarthy is going to come down to earth a little bit. He played out of his mind against Ohio State. I think everybody agrees with that. Even, even Michigan has to agree with that. I mean, that was an unreal performance for JJ McCarthy. So, if he is a little bit looser with the ball. Iowa is the team who would take advantage of that. So there is a shot here. I don't think it's a good shot. I think it's like a 98% chance that Michigan wins this game. But so, then I'm clinging on that 2%, baby. So so like I lied. Milk. Uh, Troy Taylor's stats on the season. He has 79 punts, a long of 62. His total punt yardage is 3,766. He's got five touchbacks. And his inside uh, inside the 20 percentage is over 36%. Yeah. He will make Michigan go the entire length of the field. And, Doug, you're right. This game's going to come down to turnovers. Michigan needs to protect the ball. If they and don't protect Blake the ball, Corum this game go to Iowa. Is, like, if Iowa wants to win, they're going to have to prevent him from scoring a touchdown. I'm not worried about Iowa's defense. That is not my mm-hmm. concern. Michigan... The issue is Michigan's going to be on the field so much that they will score. That m- Iowa's defense is going to have a fantastic game. But I don't know. But when you're on the field for 40 minutes in the game, that's going to wear you down. That's I mean, my concern out of this game. That's where I like Michigan. There's one way for the defense to get off the field pretty quickly. And like I said, turnovers are the X factor in here. That well, is Iowa's key to victory. Not only turnovers. Okay, but we're safeties. Done. <laughs> <What>? Safeties. <laughs> All right, Doug, what you got? Twenty-two to fourteen. Iowa scores eleven safeties. That's not what I was talking about. <laughs> Let's talk about some prospects to watch out for this weekend in conference championship week. Starting off with a center. For Tulane, Sincere Hainsworth, number 52. I actually think we've talked about him before, maybe last year a little bit, but he did ended up coming back to Tulane. He has been at Tulane his entire collegiate career. And uh, not his best season, I, I'll admit. Uh, overall, he has been an extremely productive center for them and one of the foundational players to this program's success over the past couple of years. Now, 
it depends on what you want out of a center. Uh, obviously, they're going to be in both run and pass block situations, but what kind of run scheme do you operate in? What do you expect the center to do out of those run schemes? Are you going to ask your center to be moving around the field at all? Uh, not usually in NFL offenses, but sometimes. And he has done that at Tulane. He has been kind of a, a second-level blocker, a a move zone blocker, you know, kind of kind of all over the place. So whatever you need him to do, he is proven capable of it, at least to some extent, through just sheer repetitions. Uh, been used in every which way at Tulane. Yes, he has given up more sacks and more pressures this year. I don't really think that's a, a trend, like a problem. I think that's just a statistical. It happens sometimes, but something to watch out for. And it will definitely come down to some strength testing, some agility testing in the off season. But sincere Hainsworth is a name to look out for in late day three undrafted free agent territory. If you need an interior offensive lineman. I like and he's a, he's a leader on this line too. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big X factor for this two lane offense is just how stout this offensive line is. And it's in large part due to sincere Hainsworth. Yeah. Fifth year starter. Actually, he started at right guard his freshman year. Insane. And then he has a COVID season. So he has five years starting. It's nuts. <laughs> And I love this picture. This is Brandon Dorless, defensive lineman for Oregon. That picture is terrifying. Uh, number three is coming for you. So he is a senior defensive lineman, as in he gets moved all over the place. Yes, tackles look low, and sacks and pressures aren't like jump off the screen impressive. You have to recognize a lot of his snaps this season have been A and B gap alignment. He is a interior defensive lineman about half the time this year. He still put up 42 pressures and five sacks. Holy shit. He also loves jumping up and knocking down balls, uh, which is, yeah, uh, which is a little bit easier out of the Pac-12 right now. They do have a couple of shorter quarterbacks out there at the same time being in position to do that as an edge rusher, that's a, that's a good quality to have, right? Yep. Being in the right place at the right time, putting your hands up, knowing how and when to do that as often as he does is a good sign. And not necessarily one to force fumbles that often. Actually, he never has in his career. Uh, it does have one recovery to his name, so that's cool. But just the versatility and the pass rush ability from multiple different positions makes him somewhat valuable to a to an NFL defensive line. Depends on where you want to use him. 6-3-2-90. You're probably looking at an interior defensive lineman at the next level. But the fact he has that versatility is important and potentially makes him more valuable. I mean, it does, again, depend on you want to run a 3-4, or a 4-3, where you would line him up. I don't know if he's really going to be a nose tackle for you. But no, he probably can, not. He can be 
that not at that size defensive end. So oh, does a little man. bit of everything. Both these guys do a little bit of everything you could possibly want them to at, at their position, which makes it fun. And they've been doing it for quite some time, and they're pretty solid at it. I don't know that either of them are even day two picks, but that's they're why both we highlight them. Pretty good. That is it for college football, though. And man, you that's would think it. we As were if we didn't just spend an hour and a half talking about college football. That's, That's it, it, yeah. <laughs> you would think we'd be done. But there's been some things that we've been keeping an eye on and uh, kind of where we shift to in the offseason, and that is the XFL and the USFL, which is now officially one league. It'll be launching on March 30th. Uh, this was earlier today. This was this morning, probably about 8, 9 o'clock Central Time. Uh, the The – USL, USFL, XFL merger cleared the antitrust review. 2024 season is going to come at you at the end of March, which is kind of that sweet spot where it was more the middle of the XFL season versus the end where the USFL had been starting. I think that's probably a better time to start and really get into the swing of things versus right after the NFL, like the XFL was trying to do uh, in both of their last two iterations here. What I will say is this also gives you a little reprieve as well because they're going to be at the back end of March Madness, really getting into the championship weekend. And yeah, the first couple of weeks might suffer, but again, probably not the worst time to have your least amount of eyes while these teams and organizations are feeling each other out. So as you can see here, there was some uh, some information that was going to be coming later on in the day, and it did at about noon central one o'clock central somewhere in there the usfl xfl merger finalizes from john vogel on twitter at draft vogel there will be four xfl teams remaining the arlington renegades dc defenders san antonio brahmas and st louis battle hawks and four usfl teams remaining the birmingham stallions houston gamblers memphis showboats and the michigan panthers now of the USFL teams remaining, three of them were host teams last year, and one of them, they didn't host, but guess what? Their XFL counterpart did. So I have a whole thing about that. You can go check out uh, the Discord in our non-NFL Pro News channel, my, kind of my opinion and thoughts on that. I don't want to rehash all of that now. But what I do want to point out are the teams that have been left out in the cold. From the XFL, we are losing Seattle, Vegas, Orlando completely of course they're losing the Renegades name in Houston I do find it odd that they didn't go west at all the furthest west team is San Antonio that's just wild to me it's not as wild as you think this definitely screams a uh, issue with trying to reduce travel costs so they're reducing overhead um, and they also I like the four and four here and I think you probably get into this uh very easy to make conferences out of this now. So now you can have the XFL conference or whatever you want to call it. They're going to split these into conferences. These guys are going to be kind of all the same. And when you break it down, San Antonio, the furthest for the XFL's DC on uh, the USFL, the furthest out is going to be, be Michigan. Those two really are really the only two that don't fit with the rest of the teams in terms of location. Uh, so Kicking out the Western teams actually makes a lot of sense to me. 
The only reason I'm surprised Seattle is gone is that they actually had a backing. And now, admittedly, this last iteration of the Sea Dragons did not have the same fan base that the the Seattle Dragons had in XFL 2.0. But that is the biggest fan base that we've lost. As I already mentioned, the four teams from the USFL that have been eliminated didn't host. So it makes sense, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh and New Pittsburgh and Philly, Pittsburgh, New Jersey. It was Pittsburgh and New Jersey that were playing in Canton, Ohio. It makes sense that they don't have a home. New Orleans makes sense that they're gone as well. They're playing in Birmingham. Philly was either playing in Michigan or uh or Canton. I can't remember exactly where they were. But at the end of the day, they didn't have a home and it cost them. It's interesting to me that we don't have any teams in Florida. I get it. It didn't really work out either time in the XFL, and the USFL didn't have a team there. It It is kind of weird. John Vogel ends his tweet with, not what we had hoped and expected. I'm, I'm with him on that. I was hoping for at least 12 teams, get a, get four more teams in there. The The math gets a little bit more difficult, and I do I see where you're coming from with the move, uh, with the travel here. Yeah, three teams are in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I keep coming back, and that still frustrates me. It frustrated me about the XFL last year. It frustrates me now. That's it's neither the, here nor there. It's the biggest market for football. Like I, it, Texas loves football. It is a religion out there. We say it all the time, kind of in joking, but that's why they're keeping these teams. Is the state itself, the individuals in the state, get behind football better than almost any other state? Look, both of my favorite teams are still here, so yeah. I, I I don't care that much. The biggest thing I want to see moving forward is I want to see them keep the XFL rules. I like them more than the USFL rules on personal preference. I'm also interested to see how USFL fanboys are going to kind of have to swallow their pride with some of this because it does look like it's going to be a very 50-50 split on how things go, uh, as, as we've already seen, right? Overall... I'm very pleased with how everything's gone so far. I do hate losing the Renegades and Seattle. The rest of the moves all make sense to me. But the one thing that doesn't is this was six minutes before we started the show. The Pittsburgh Maulers, who are no longer a team, signed a free agent. <laughs> so those, while those we- teams that no, no longer have a league are going to start their own league with safeties and hookers. <laughs> So I'm oh very, gosh. oh my gosh, very if the other, curious. Other teams merged. That'd be so great. I'm very, very <laughs> curious to see what's going to happen, and I'm, I'm honestly interested to see what's going to happen to Bryce Tornadin. I, I have, I have no. Did he miss the news today? Like I, all right. I mean, if his agent there, called him. Hey, bro, I got you signed by who? The Maulers, and he's like, bro, you know they don't exist anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, but they're offering you a 50k signing bonus. All right, well, All I'll, right, I'll sign it. <laughs> wow, what a great so, podcast! In short, who the hell knows what's going to happen? <laughs> yes, nobody. Well, stay tuned. We're going to keep our ears to the ground. We're going to keep looking and seeing what we can see, what we can find out, and we will let you know as soon as we can. So make sure to get in that Discord. Hey, Tug, you got a link for that? I was just going to start them, man. I thought you'd never ask. All right, we have our Patreon.com slash BTFootball, X.com slash BTFootball, Facebook.com slash BTFootball, Instagram.com slash BT underscore football, 
BDTFootball.com, mailbox at BDTFootball.com, YouTube.com slash at Big Dudes in the Trenches, Twitch.tv slash Big Dudes in the Trenches. Both of those are all one word, no spaces. And Bug, I love you. I love our listeners. I love everybody. But no, I'm not reading the Discord link out loud. It will be linked below with everything else. Speaking of links, I've got a link that I just threw into our chat. And that I'm going to make sure is in the description as well. I've not done the best job of promoting it everywhere. Like, I forgot I had an Instagram for, I don't know, 27 days of the month. Hmm. Uh, but I have been growing my mustache back out. It is day 30th, September or November 30th. November is over. And my goal this year was to raise $300. And as of this moment, I've raised $401. If you would like to hey. make some final donations there. To help change the face of men's health. Need the sound buttons. Follow that link. Make a donation. It'll mean the world to me and so many, so many, so many men worldwide. I almost want to ask. I, I almost feel bad asking for a joke now because you ended it on a serious note. And I'm okay with that. I no, I got one for you. All right. Good. All right. Send the joke. Who wants to go first? You got it. All right. Uh, what street? What state has the most streets? I almost want to think this is a Rhode Island joke, but it can't be. Yeah, yeah, it's a Rhode Island joke. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Rhode Island has the most streets. (laughs) It's Rhode Island, your home state, buddy. You got one for you that wasn't about the size. That's why I why, was confused. Yeah. Why is it Rhode Island? I'm confused. Because streets Cause, are roads. Yeah. Road. Uh, yeah. Well, I've got one that's in the spirit of championship week. Ooh. Okay, that's that's better. Why do winners always win? Because they win, and that's why we call them winners. Winners never cheat. Beats me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's clearly all the time we have on the show today. (laughs) Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.